Hello, the internet, and welcome to this episode of the Weekly Zeitgeist. Uh, these are some of our favorite segments from this week, all edited together into one uh, nonstop infotainment laugh extravaganza. Uh, yeah. So, without further ado, here is the Weekly Zeitgeist. Uh, and finally, what is a myth? What's something people think is true you know to be false? Uh, Doritos are of this world. That's mm. a myth. Yes. They, <laughs> they, they landed here on an world. asteroid. It's not, they're not real. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You like Doritos? I do. That's why I can't eat. Like, it's like the perfect amount. Perfect amount, yeah. <laughs> Could you eat a, like a family-sized bag? Without a doubt. Like, and when, like some good queso or something like that. Oh, fuck. You <laughs> right. double up. Come on, man. We're, Yo, I like that. Come on, man. You're looking. If we're going to sin... Right. You know, I just don't want to fully dive in. Yeah, we're not just going to have oral sex. <laughs> right. Let's do this. Yeah. Let's breach the castle walls. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, nacho cheese Doritos with uh, Green Mountain Gringo salsa is one of my favorite oh. combos. What's Green Mountain Gringo salsa? Medium. Uh, it's just a salsa that I really like. Where do they and, sell it here? And yeah, that's it. Like Ralph's. Yeah. Oh shit! It's just one okay. of my favorite salsas. Does it say Gringo on it? Yeah. Awesome. Well, at least I they know. know. Yeah. Awesome. It puts like, off anyone who wants salsa. They're right. like, gringo, mm-mm, we don't mm-hmm. want that. I'll um, take it. Give it to me. There was actually, on the, that food blog, The Takeout, they posited the question to their staff, is is it uh, nacho cheese or Cool Ranch, the superior Dorito? I got to go. And they were deadlocked. Cheese. Nacho cheese. Because mm. I think Cool Ranch gives you such a weird feeling in your mouth, like tasting your mouth afterwards. The yep. zing? Yeah. The That's z- what we call the zing, Jack. Right. The zing ends up at like maybe three minutes after you've eaten it, making it feel like you've sucked on a battery or something. No, like yeah. Like warhead. Little, like- to me, the proper way to eat the Cool Ranch is in the sandwich itself. Yeah. Oh, cr- that's as true. A sandwich accessory? Yeah. Well, like inside the sandwich. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Accent. Yeah, because what kind like of you sandwich said, it's with too Cool much. Ranch Doritos? Fucking anything. Subway, Subway, man. Anything you'd put ranch on, bro. Yeah, anything right. you would eat it with, like any kind of sandwich you would eat it with, you just put it in there. Yeah, you know, it's funny. I'm always nacho cheese, but then I have Cool Ranch, and I go, you know what? This one isn't bad, too. That's like chocolate and vanilla. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you need... You kind of need Every now and then you get chocolate, and you're like, oh, shit. Vanilla, hey. Mm-hmm. Especially yeah. vanilla bean, hey. Oh, hey, vanilla bean. Hey, all right. Yeah. Come on, man. <laughs> the new show, Snack my, That reminds me, my wife did this bit. Because she was, because I like vanilla, and she was like, "You're like a psychopath. Like, <laughs> like, why you just eat the vanilla?" And she was like, "That's pretty fair. I'm gonna do it on stage." I was like, "I wouldn't, because I think I'm pretty normal." Right. <laughs> and she did it, and it bombs. <laughs> I was like, "I think there's a reason. It's one of the popular flavors." Right. Right. Yeah. And she People... was like, "I didn't think. I didn't tell her that. I was like, this is gonna be funny." <laughs> <laughs> You're like, could you just wait to do that until yeah. I'm around? Yeah. Uh, so funny. That's awesome. What is something that's underrated? Man, uh, men. Jamie, yeah, men. Uh, I'm a men's rights activist. Uh, Surprise! (laughs) I tricked Anna. Now debate me, coward. To Jamie, debate me, Jamie. (laughs) You think you're so smart with your Mensa? Debate an average man. Yeah, but Um, to own you with facts and logic. Care about my feelings. Um, you kind of, you referenced a uh, tinfoil hat. I think what's underrated is um, what I used to think were really crazy conspiracy theories. Like I had, I've had friends that have been telling me for years that all the world's elite are pedophiles, and I was like, that sounds crazy. But maybe, <laughs> right, maybe like, they were right this whole time. Oh yeah. Looking at these lists, you're like, huh. 
I'm like, man, mm. that is that is everyone you told me was a pedophile. Right. <laughs> Jeez. Like I've been I've been it's... told that like I've been told crazy things about Bill Clinton my whole life, but I thought it was just because I grew up in a red state, you know? But Yeah, I it, mean, God, see, that's why this whole Jeffrey Epstein thing, I bring it all out. Bring mm-hmm. it. I want to see it all. That is I the, need yeah. to, we need to get to the bottom of this shit. That is the funny thing is you're seeing like a lot of more like right-leaning people that are like, well, what about when one of your people comes out? And, right. And, and, and everyone's like, everyone yeah. Left's like, yeah, please. Yeah. <laughs> Take them all. The fires done. are being stoked and ready. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. it's in like every area of rich people too. Every yeah. genre of rich. Like there, if you haven't seen An Open Secret, have you guys seen An Open Secret? That's the documentary from a couple years ago by uh, Amy Berg about uh, like Hollywood specific uh-huh. uh, pedophile, and they, like I couldn't get a theatrical release really because it was like such a controversial oh, subject. Oh shit! I gotta but see that. She's like an Oscar-winning director, and she couldn't get it. Right, released. right, right. But it's like it's so prevalent. I mean, we we got we're talking Perlman today. Yeah, and it's it, this is like abuseville too. It like, is. Like especially yeah. the carrot of fame is used to just manipulate the fuck out of people. I still am just like, how is Dan Schneider not in jail. Like, there's so many people who belong in jail and they're not. Hey, it's coming, man. It's coming, maybe. It's coming. Yeah, I mean, it's coming out. And it's just like, I feel like a lot of things are just coming to the surface. That's why everything's so crazy. It's just like, we're we're at the, the cauldron is bubbling. It's reached reached peak boil. And we're just like all standing around like, oh God, it's going to blow. The devil's butt crack is throbbing. Yeah. (laughs) The the devil's... The devil's balloon nuts inside out. I can tell, man. The devil's windsock. Um, now, what is a myth? What's something that you, uh, I forget how Jack words it, but what's a myth, man? What the man, fuck? What's a uh, myth you could just bust? Uh, okay, so this kind of blew my mind, and it's kind of a string of thought that leads to a couple quotes that we've been misusing for years. As a, uh, So my girl and I were kind of talking about this whole basic idea that, uh, millennials are like ungrateful or lazy. Mm-hmm. And we were just talking about how really it's more that we're so inundated with options that no one can feel contentment because sure. it's just, we're so constantly aware of what we don't have or, or what the other thing we could be doing. Like I, my grandparents had a beautiful marriage. They were married for like 65 years, but it's also like, that's a myth. She was just, yeah. <laughs> yeah. What if I, what if that was my myth? I would like to break the myth that my grandparents had a good marriage. Yeah. It's like a whoa, very petty. It's like, whoa. Is this a uh, Thanksgiving conversation? I mean, having? any grandparents courting story is the scariest thing I've ever heard. Oh yeah. <laughs> my, my grandparents met via my grandfather cat calling my grandmother. <laughs> In a parking oh, wow. lot. Yeah. She was, she was, she had like, a much younger sibling she was like you know walking the baby around she's a teenager and my grandfather tailgated her pulled up to her it was like hey that your baby and then they were married for 500 years <laughs> hey that your baby <laughs> she was yo like, that your baby yo ma that's your baby <laughs> that's your baby he's Go like no, no what are you doing this she's looking dumb thing <laughs> Wow. Okay. So go on. Oh yeah. Well, it was just we were just talking, but it's like also my they didn't have like Facebook, you know, mm-hmm. where all of a sudden that girl that you kind of missed with in high school hits you up twenty years later, like I've been thinking about you. You know, right. like he didn't have to deal with any of that shit. She didn't have to deal with any of that shit. Options are limited. So anyway, we were just talking about like there's all these quotes that we've just been misusing, uh-huh. and honestly, to the opposite effect. So like for instance, did you know blood is thicker than water? The full saying is actually the blood of the covenant is thicker than the water of the womb, which basically means the opposite. So it's basically the the bonds that you choose to make mean much more than 
the bonds that you're born into. But we literally say it like blood is thick in the water. Like Yeah, like blood over everything. Yeah, oh. blood over everything. But it's really like because your friends will adapt with you, it flows more like water. So like blood blood is slower to move. So your family's right. not gonna change. Wow. So you create your own family that's like minded and you guys that's are water. Now moving like a hive. And so you're it's water. actually like an insult to say blood is thicker than water. Exactly. Like, wow. And we've been well, saying it like that for years. Dumb. Yeah. That's so cool. And then the other one is uh they say jack of all trades master of none right mm-hmm. which is like if you focus on a bunch of things you'll, you yeah. won't be great at anything but the full saying is jack of all trades master of none but maybe that's better than a master of one so basically a jack of all trades would beat a master at most things because a master is only good at one thing so if you're good at 10 things you're going to beat the master at nine things yo this is a real thank you that's that's man wow I'm smiling i mean now yeah, I can crazy? fucking be like, That's fuck amazing. you, family. Yeah. I'm like, I'm with water now. The next person to call me a multi hyphenate is getting <laughs> <laughs> You don't fucking get the origin, fuck homie. You. you don't know the end of the phrase. Oh, you're just a master at Super Smash Brothers. Okay. <laughs> I'm a little bit good at many other things as well. <laughs> <laughs> Hell yeah. Okay. That, oh, that wow. was empowering. That yeah, you guys feel amazing. good? Yeah, that was a fucking. I just wanted to share that great. feeling with you. I motherfucking mean, paradigm you. shift. Yeah. I think we need a new drop for paradigm shifts. Shift DJ Daniel. Think just go in the lab and marinate on that. That's what yeah. those earthquakes were, baby, was just the paradigm yeah. shift. Yeah. See the devil's butt provides. <laughs> and it it giveth and, and it taketh, taketh away. away. Mm-hmm. Jamie. Miles. How is Mencon? Men okay, so I uh, Give us a quick update. What's going on? Quick update. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna go crazy. On the recap, uh, but I do f- feel like you know I've been talking to Zai Gang. Yeah, about people this story know about you for you, over a year now. Yeah, you you're um, you are a Mensan. Yes, you've uh, been you've written things about Mensa. Yes, I've been. You've I've, been. I'll let you just tell your story. Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm so God, sorry. Just making space. Yeah. Over here. Uh, so so basically, if if you're not familiar, that's great. Honestly, uh, that's great. Uh, took took the Mensa entry exam as a joke. Turned out to not be. Turned out I was a genius. Turn, turns no. Turns out, I, and I genuinely do believe this. Turns out the test is way easier than they tell you, and it's kind of a grift. Um, it, I, I wow, truly, hot take. I truly believe, like a lot of people, almost anyone could pass this test. I think uh, if if you grew well, up taking standardized tests, sure, which okay. most of us did. If you if you did well on your standardized tests in elementary school, you'll probably do well on these. Uh, either way, uh, wrote about it as a joke, got in as, as a joke, was writing some kind of goofy pieces under the assumption that the group was, all, you know, kind of a bunch of, like, uh, rich, rich liberal nerds. Yeah, sure. Uh, so kind of poking at that. Um, then, turns out it was a way more complicated organization <laughs> than I realized. There were a lot of secret Facebook groups, uh, that were... Toxic? Un- there, you know, I'm trying to remain... Oh, I've, I've, I'm like 12,000 words deep into this story, um, and it is way, Have you said that many words already? Way more bizarre. Oh, you're writing. Okay. Oh. I thought you had spoken 12,000 words just now. No, although I am going Croft and Viral <laughs> You're right Croft now and Viral on, on that cold the, brew. On the cold brew. But uh, <laughs> long story short, there are all these uh, all these secret groups, especially this one unmoderated one, who found my work and immediately were like... <laughs> You know, like there, there were there were threats, there were insults. It was just kind of the general uh, person online. Yeah, you you poked section. a cultural beehive online, right? And then the response. So, uh, so I just started writing about that. I stopped making fun of it and stopped started reporting on it. 
uh, things kind of spiraled out. I like met people who were very high up in American Mensa, and they were like, yeah, we're not going to shut this group down because people like it, even though it's extremely right-leaning, a lot of racist stuff in there, a lot of anything phobic, right. it's in that group. Um, and they'll specifically target members of the group they don't agree with and mass block them and basically right, right. make the group inaccessible. Um, so they it, it was requested that I go to the annual gathering. Of the uh, Juggalos. <laughs> of the Juggalos. <laughs> uh, but it was in Phoenix this year, so it was three days, three nights, 72 hours of Mensa, 110 degrees minimum the whole time because oh. we're in fucking Phoenix. Yeah. Uh, and it was, it was like truly one of the most bizarre experiences I've ever had, uh, where I wasn't expecting for, like, I had a name tag on and, and I think I was confronted for good, bad, somewhere in between by minimum a hundred people. Wow. Uh, just like it was, it was because you've been kind. Of, you're sort of a, a pariah in the Mensa community, no? Well, but I didn't anticipate to. Like, you know, of course, this. but yeah, but I know, like you definitely, people knew the name Jamie Loftus in certain circles. Sure, but I mean, it, it was. I thought I was assuming I could kind of right slink. You know, not slink around, but they they asked me basically the criticism of me besides the fact that I'm, I'm an ugly cunt who doesn't know what I'm talking about. Uh, outside of that very uh-huh. valid criticism, um, the criticism was that I, I, you know, prejudged the organization before I got to know them, uh-huh. uh, which, so I was like, okay, fine, I'll go and, you know, I'll talk to people and, you know, fine. Um, and yeah, I met, I, I've never, like, it. there were multiple times where I was in a room full of people who had blocked me online. They knew exactly who I was. I had no way of knowing who any of ooh. them were. Ooh, that's, ooh. And it was just a series of in-person interactions. Right. I mean, some of them or were- Or light confrontations. Yeah. I mean, some of them were pleasant conversations. And then I would hear from a second party after, like, oh, that person has said really like hideous things about you that, Whoa. that I can't see. because right. of, So it was just like a very weird translating from online to IRL- situation i was kind of surprised that that there were a few members who they were so aggressive towards me that i that i knew who they were whoa right Um, right which means that they went out of their way to go out of the blocking and contact me directly sure and there there were a few people i met who got like i think surprisingly vulnerable with like why they why they felt a certain way about a certain thing and i still disagree with most of it but it was like I don't know. We we they. I got invited to this this dinner at like Scottish Hooters in Phoenix. And it's called Tilted Kilt. It is called Tilted Kilt. Uh, <laughs> but it is Tilted Kilt. Scottish, it is Scottish Hooters. Um, and I, I mean, I, I ended up talking to all these people. That's amazing. That Mensa meetings are at the Tilted Kilt. Yeah, they're like, we're gonna go to Tilted was, Kilt later. We're an intellectual. Meet is. me at the Buffalo Wing Bar. <laughs> it was a massive. I mean, there were two thousand people at the Sheraton in Phoenix. Mm-hmm. Doing this and and the daytime, I mean, the lectures during the day were mostly stupid and hilarious. Where there was comedy workshops run by eighty year old professors. Comedy workshops. I went to three comedy themed workshops. What? What? Why? How? Why? Why do they need comedy worked I, on in a shop? I don't know, but I I don't think that they were helped by the by the programming available. There, there. My favorite one was called uh, "Because Science is Cool." Young Sheldon, The Big Bang Theory, and you. Uh, oh. It was it was cute. And by CBS. Of, 
by, yeah, sponsored by CVS. No, it was, I mean, I'd never seen a room full of full-grown adults recite a scene from the Big Bang Theory from memory and then laugh their heads off. Um, wow. But it was, I mean, it was, I, I am going to write something about it. It's taking a long time because there's more to write about than I anticipated. I don't know. It was, it was truly like the most bizarre, one of the most bizarre weekends I've ever had. And I still don't even know how I feel about right. it. Well, I can't wait for you to finish this very long piece you've been working on because it sounds like it's it has everything. It was a very strange experience that I I guess I guess that I'll uh, I'll reach my conclusion at some point, but it's so long, it's so much stuff. What is something you think is underrated? Uh, underrated, I would say Gloria, who is the cashier at my local uh, El Pollo Loco. Mm. Um, she does a wonderful job. Like she makes me have a great day every time I go in there. And I know that part of it is like she's just the face of the delicious chicken that I get. And mm-hmm. like the people in the back who like season the chicken, they're probably doing all the hard work. But you know, she just greets me with a smile every day. She really is like the best uh, cashier of any place that I've ever had. Right. And, That's awesome. Uh, I feel like we have a very. It's an important relationship in right. my life. And doesn't make you feel bad for eating a ta- or El Pollo Loco every day? No. And yeah. not only that, she does the thing where she, you know, they're reading like off a script where they have to like try and upsell you things. Mm-hmm. But she does it with such a smile and such like a pleasant attitude that I don't begrudge her like trying to get me to sign up for the El Pollo Loco app and, <laughs> or, or try some, you know, chips and guacamole for $2 extra. And but do you, do you ever do you ever fall victim to that? Absolutely not. No. Oh, wow. Yeah, no. Just Have as you, kindly back, you're like, mm, yeah. I oh, think no, not Gloria. <laughs> yeah. Do you want to put this on your El Pollo Loco American Express? Or <laughs> Wait, you have one of those, don't you? Don't you? You don't have? I mean, I should. You have funny. An open if I was getting points for that, it would be <laughs> one of like the most uh, positive effective ways I could use those. I'm really surprised, Vince. And I can call you Vince, right? Absolutely, because yes. I know how frequently you come in here. And if you just sign up, right, you actually get 10,000 free pollo bucks just for signing up. <laughs> and that translates to, well, the way you eat, probably about a month's worth of free food. <laughs> <laughs> well, all right. On that note, uh, we're going to go to a quick break. We'll be right back. And we're back. Finally, what is a myth? What's something people think is true you know to be false? Uh, oh, man. I forgot this part of the, the thing. Um, lefty, loosey, righty, tidy. Yeah, not always true. Not always true. Sometimes the contractor just blows it. In fact, in my apartment, they got like, they put the cold and the hot on the wrong side in yeah. my shower, and I think they did it like just to screw with me. And it's righty, loosey? Yeah. Oh, my God. Well, also- oh. It's not that. Ow. It's like a world gone mad. We need a we need a rhyme that is like clockwise versus counterclockwise because it's mm. not it's not really obvious. Like it, I always have to like think about it and be like, well, they mean the top is going in that direction, not because that that's why we have clockwise versus counterclockwise is because uh, we don't we haven't decided like one means right and the other means left. So mm. like, come up with a. What? The top Isn't goes the right and the thing? bottom goes left. If it's, it's threaded the right way, it's always going to turn that way, no? You no, have but to I'm just saying the, threading for that the bottom part is going left, though, on a circular thing. It's sure. circle. I mean, it's circle, Miles. Right. I I just don't okay. think you can. I don't think you can say a perfect circle that is turning in place is going to the right or left. It's going clockwise or counterclockwise. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. 
So fuck off, man. Wait, all right? how, how could it? But if you fixed a point on the outside of a circle, you would very much be able to tell if it's going. You're just saying in relation to, because we don't have a vertical line that actually differentiates between right and left. Right. Oh, okay. Well, I guess I never thought so deeply about it. I just twist the fucking thing. Yeah. But I like how it's sort of philosophical. Like, how could we know, though? Right. Is there like a calculus term for this that we're just too dumb to know? Probably. Almost definitely there is yeah, a math, uh, math, math gang, let us know uh, how dumb we sound right now. Right. Shit's I think not... I might be the only one who sounds dumb here. I think everyone's like, what are you talking about? Vince is gobsmacked at the moment. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I started around this like, uh... discussion. I blame myself. <laughs> Wait, but then... That I'm guessing for this thing to hold true, that if it's lefty tidy, that would mean it's completely inverted. Like even the way the the shit's threaded, yeah, it's just no? The, installed backwards or something? Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I'm not I don't a know. Look, what what are we scientists? You know? No, no, we're not. It no, we're not. Out. Hey, just got word in. We're not sci- confirmed from the <laughs> I booth. Can confirm. Okay, we are not fucking scientists. But let's talk about uh, this employee who uh, was interviewed for Wired, uh, who has a background as a CIA officer turned Facebook employee. Yeah, uh, and this woman Yael Eisenstadt, uh, I think is her name. Eisenstadt. Pardon me, Yael Eisenstadt. Uh, yes, worked for the CIA, as a, was a diplomat in East Africa, advisor to Vice President Biden, and before that, and then came because they were like, hey, we, we have, a, I think, an election meddling problem. Do you want to check it out? And she joined as uh, head of global elections integrity ops. And that was meaning like, hey, you're in the CIA. You get it. You know how this shit works. Like, what can we be doing to like safeguard democracy around the world? Which um, is the CIA's number one Number job. one priority. The thing they're most famous for is to safeguarding it, democracy. Safeguarding <laughs> oil profits. With now, targeted assassinations. Targeted assassinations and uh, yes. And if we have to use jackals, we'll do that. Mm-hmm. Um, but then on day two, she realized that the job probably wasn't going to be all that chill because she was like instantly there like her boss was like, yeah, we're going to I think we're changing it up a little bit based on like what we need. And we're just going to make you a manager for now. And she's like, mm. I'm from the fuck what? Okay. <laughs> so when they asked her, she goes on this interview. She says, quote, once I walked in that door, I was never once empowered to do the work I was hired to do. And in fact, more than not being empowered, I was purposefully sidelined. It's Facebook. Everyone talks about it being a flat organization. Everybody talks about how anybody can go talk to anybody. It was never that way for me. My boss intentionally never let me participate in any of the meetings that were specifically about the job I was hired to do. So you're like, huh. That's interesting. Well, what else did they do? Like, what what kind of stuff they do in foreign interference? Her first part was just sort of like, um, they just kind of did the bare minimum, which isn't much. But she says, the foreign interference part, this might sound odd, but should be the easiest part to fix. Of course, people can always game it, but there are basic tools you can put in place. There were advertisers who paid in rubles. <laughs> Those are things that shouldn't have been that hard to figure out. <laughs> that was like her day one. And now it's like, I'm, you accept rubles? Uh, Okay, so why don't we do that? And I think maybe that's when they were, but when was she was asked, like, do you think you were just a publicity stunt? She didn't think she was, but I think, or she didn't believe she was, but as her work became clearer, I think that's when she realized that any suggestion she made was going to butt up against what the business model is of all of these uh, social media platforms. And she's very clear, it's not just about Facebook or Google, or Twitter, or YouTube, whatever. This is just how all social media works. And I think this is what's very interesting and something that we 
deeply need to consider. Quote, the business model is to keep you engaged. It's not even a question of whether advertising is bad or good. It's a question of what do they have to do to keep you engaged long enough to get those ads in front of your eyeballs. Their tools are doing what they can to keep us engaged, which is taking us down more and more extreme rabbit holes, which is polarizing us more and more because the salacious talking points and salacious clickbaity headlines are what keep people's eyeballs on their screens. And the more and more you can keep us outraged, keep us angry, keep us polarized, it just makes it much easier for Russia to come in and exploit that. For me, the biggest issue is to fix a business model that intentionally feeds on the worst part of who we are as humans. And yes, people can say, isn't it just human beings? Is it Facebook or Google or Twitter or YouTube's fault that people love this stuff? It's not their fault, but they're absolutely manipulating it and exacerbating it and getting into our psychology in order to keep us on their screen. So I can't buy the, isn't it just human nature argument? Right. They're engineering things to manipulate human nature. And now, yeah, to the point where it's like, well, fuck, I guess if we keep turning, adding spice to the recipe, right? it will just, it's already starting to burn. But if it's like, nah, man, I guess we need spicier shit to get people fucking going to keep so I can serve you an ad for Shambong right. or whatever the fuck it is. <laughs> right. Uh, but I think that's really, yeah, I think that's the that's part of the business model that I think legislators also have to look at of like, oh, you're purely guided by I need advertisers to buy ads. The only way I can make our our platform uh, attractive to advertisers by saying I can keep idiots staring at this fucking thing for X hours at a time. Yeah. yeah. There's this book, Good to Great, that's like this guy did a study on uh, companies that had like sustained success. And one of the like main things he says they all have in common is called the hedgehog principle, which is like they know one thing. Like they just always have the same sort of core value. Uh, at the heart of everything they do. So like with, I forget what the, like Gillette was one of the companies and like it was like some manner of like shave, like staying focused on being the best in the world at like providing like shaving things. So uh, with Facebook, like it seems like the entire like DNA of the country, of the company is built on, you know, is built counter to actually like protecting people's privacy yeah. and not manipulating them and not making it easy for them to be manipulated. Right. So it doesn't like you can't just put a single person in there and change like the molecular structure of the company. Like yeah. that's just not It's an organism. They mm-hmm. everything about it is built to be a successful company that makes money and the way they do that is the opposite of what we are asking them to do. So it's not going to come from within. Like they would either need to be dismantled or you would need to put like a government agency inside the company that like regulates them and is like sitting in on their meetings yeah, like or something. Their ad it would have to be like totally unprecedented. Yeah. And the funny thing, like the the one thing that she was saying, like based on her working there and understanding, like seeing like, oh, their whole thing is to know what the fuck you want to see. And just keep accelerating your need to keep looking. And she's that's where she was like, yeah, I'm in this unique position where I've worked at the CIA. And I can tell you, Facebook knows fucking way more about you than even the CIA does. <laughs> so. That's troubling. Yeah. Because the CIA knows a lot about me. Yeah. Yeah. They do. <laughs> They've been and following you wind me up for on years. their screens, man. <laughs> yeah. Oh, he used to Ooh. run this really weird Tumblr. Oh, yeah. that'll get that'll yeah. get him. Real weird. Yeah. A lot of weird wacky stuff on there. Um, we all saw the, I mean, 
that's not to say everyone did, but the people that like, even the Lego movie, all these things that are about like dystopian sort of futures and everyone went, okay, just, just kind of keep a heads up. There were people that were late adopters to phones and then smartphones, people that were late joining Facebook or any of those social media platforms to be like, God damn it, all my friends are gone. I'm either going to just live out here in the woods rubbing sticks together and never see anyone. Right. I got to kind of join the hive. And it, 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 it became like inescapable for us. Yeah. So it yeah. felt like, no, 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 we'll, we'll all kind of monitor each other. Like, hey, keep an eye out. Big brother, right? right? Have we all read that? Right. And now it's just so, we're so immersed in it. It's so oppressive that we're like. Now well, I'm little brother. Right. <laughs> yeah. You know? And it just seems absolutely impossible. Like you're talking about, like, we need a, someone to come and regulate it. That'll never happen. Right. We have no power to do that to in any way hold them accountable right. when there well, are hundreds of billions of dollars. And if you state. remember when Zuckerberg went up to testify in front of Congress, these motherfuckers don't know what fa- they don't know what the fuck this is. Right. Like those Congress people like, my granddaughter got a game that said I was racist. Right. And like, well, you are Steve King. Right. So what do you want me to do? But like, the, even then, we're, we don't even have the legislators that are equipped with the idea, the like conceptually what this is and what the potential is of this kind of thing. Yeah. And that's where we're like, oh man. And then she and the this CIA uh, former CIA person, former Facebook employee, even pointed to that. She's like, yeah, I don't even know if Congress is fucking equipped to even under like conceptually get down to what this is. But. She was like, we, we need a targeted assassination to take care of right. this problem. She's like, yeah, <laughs> calling a jackal. <laughs> if we can't smear Zuckerberg things. with Compromat, <laughs> then maybe he shouldn't fly private too much. The thing about, uh, do you have friends who have, to this day, to this day, uh, not you, who are not on Facebook? Uh, I, have, I have one friend who really? has f- avoided MySpace, every fucking social media like thing. Like the whole, oh, okay. He's a ghost. Huh. He is not fucking available on this shit. And like I, I commend him because right. now I'm it wasn't even like him being like, oh, I don't know. He was just sort of like, what do I got to do? Yeah. Sign up. <laughs> I don't even know. How I get a, comp- a fucking picture on my camera. Nah, I'm good. Right. <laughs> and then like now I'm like, this guy's got it all figured out. Yeah. But it's funny. Like, I feel like there are there are kinds of people who are so suspicious that never engaged in it. And then people like my my friend who was just too lazy and didn't care enough about technology to be interested in it. Yeah. Until he was trying to use Tinder and he's like, you need a Facebook account. <laughs> and he's like, fuck it. I'm, I'm just going to use OkCupid then. Right. I don't need it. Nice. Good for him. <laughs> yeah, I like his style. No, I mean, I barely fuck with Facebook, but I do fuck with other social media platforms. Um, it does seem like young people make fun of people who have Facebook, which is at least a little bit uplifting. Yeah. But they're going to age into a category where they go, oh, I want to see everyone's baby photos. They're yeah. going to merge into it where, because you see all that stuff, like Snapchat is such a great thing for the temporary nature of existence. Yeah. Like they're they're living a life kind of knowing the previous generation was like, that was your great grandmother's table, so you own that now, and you have to keep it forever. And you're like, it means nothing to me. It right. takes up a lot of space. Right. right. But it's been in the family. And the younger people are like, oh, I had this photo. It was the greatest day of my life. It disappeared. Right. I'll never see it again. Such is life. Yes. What's next? What's the next thing? I'm in the present. So potentially that could be, I mean, of course, there's still ways to data mine all of your stuff and sell your information right. with that. But it's a, it's a little less like every time people <laughs> sit down and type anything on Facebook, they're saying, 
here's where I am. Here's what I like. Here's how you can market to me. And that's what and I think. now you know that's that forever. I think. Yeah, yeah. Now yeah. You, this never goes away. And this well, is that's why ephemeral. I've been saying Snapchat is an entire philosophy. It's not just a platform. Yeah, man. Yeah. It's all about the ephemeral, uh, man. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, it was interesting. I heard an interview with uh, Janine Garofalo uh, where she, she like still has the like mindset of like somebody in the late 90s who's like i don't really fuck with computers but like you know for like good like reasons that at the time might have seemed paranoid but now but like it it was just wild because i was like oh yeah i haven't heard somebody like this since i was like 10 years old like people just like <laughs> stopped having this concern everyone was just like yeah we joined like yeah. everything's good now uh but she was like yeah i don't really do computers and like I don't put anything on the internet, and I was like, <laughs> "What a loser!" How but now, know who I'm you like, are? two years in retrospect, I'm like, "Oh, okay. how are you gonna get those likes?" For, for yeah. years, I didn't have any of the stuff, and yeah. I sent out a mailing list through my website, starting in like maybe 2007 or eight, something like that. And then it finally like avalanche, where I just I couldn't reach out and get in touch with people. Yeah, they were only available through the networks. So I was like, "Damn, you used to be able to like search them or go to their website or mm-hmm. something like." Or, you might even have someone's actual phone number written down. And then, t- so I'm doing a, a bunch of stand-up shows coming up, and I sent out the mailing list for the first time in like two years. It felt fantastic. It was just this feeling of like, that's how I'd love to communicate. Here's what I'm up to right. once a year or so. If you want to email me back, great. But I don't feel like it's healthy for humans to have to constantly be like, I'm not dead. Right. Here's the thing. <laughs> I'm still alive. I feel yes. happy. <laughs> That is, I do feel like there people who post a lot, a lot on social media. I do feel like that comes from an existential place of I'm not dead every time they post. Oh, like, sure, yeah. yeah, I exist and I matter and sent. And yeah. this is the version of me that you will accept. Yes. If I look at someone's thing and they have like 50,000 tweets, even if I like them, I will never follow. <laughs> so like, you need something that I can't give you. Right. It's it's terrifying to me. Yeah, this is coming from a place of deep, unnerving <laughs> need. Just scream into the void, man. Yeah. Uh, speaking of people with really weird dicks, Leonardo DiCaprio uh, <laughs> does no, I have no idea if he has a weird dick. Man, probably you've not. just been sued, Jack. He probably has a gorgeous dick. Leonardo uh, DiCaprio. <laughs> hey. Sorry. No, uh, I mean, that's, thank you. I think that's the. I think that's my favorite joke that anybody's made on our podcast to this point. Uh, anyway, Nard's dick, Caprio. Nard dick uh, has is still forced to answer questions about uh, why Jack had to die at the end of Titanic. Like, so he's going around doing press for his upcoming you know, artsy uh, Quentin Tarantino movie. And people are like, so why didn't you just get on the door with Rose? Like you could have fit. It was obvious. Oh, like pivoting, fit. like being like, and great. What was it like to work with Quentin Tarantino? And right. It? Okay. And look, I got to ask. Like yeah. everyone's still harping on that. To the point that like he's really like, pissed about it like brad pitt was with him on during this interview Uh and was like yeah could you have squeezed in there you could have right and leonardo DiCaprio was like no comment and he was like did you mention it at the time that like or margot robbie was like yeah did you mention that at the time to james cameron he was like like i said i have no comment oh god uh why couldn't the boat just avoid the iceberg iceberg. right exactly could have been a chill film i think that's a (laughs) 
I think that's a fun stupid on a boat. point, to be honest. The the whole like he should have just gotten on the door because like it might not have floated. Like well, a, that's why there's been this is such a hotly contested topic. Right. Like from people who made fucking diagrams of how they both could have fit their bodies on the door, and people were like, assuming their weight is this, and this is the buoyancy of this wood. Like people. Right, but- what? How do you assume that? So uh, Mythbusters did an episode right. about the door where they were like, the way he could have done it is to reinforce its buoyancy with a life vest. But that requires him to swim, like while it's like 20 degree water, swim under the door and like put a life vest on there. Uh, and this is a point James Cameron had to make. He was like, In response right. to that. He's like, yeah. you're talking about the Mythbusters thing, right? <laughs> yeah. Oh, you're talking <laughs> Mythbusters? Well, let me bust this for you. Yeah. Um, so I, I agree with James Cameron in, on this and only this, uh, to quote Titanic. Uh, I mean, look, I think it's just one of those things where people were so pissed that he didn't have to die or something. Yeah. But like, look, that's why it's a fucking drama, okay? Right. Just fucking suspend your, for a second, just be like, yeah, mm-hmm. maybe he fucking had, he just died, okay? And that's James Cameron's it. like- you guys know I uh, pilot submarines, right? Like, right. Uh, you're going to ask me about this? He's like, yeah, I fucking thought about it's it, like, man. Oh, you want to talk water stuff? Let's talk water stuff. I created new fucking sea tech. <laughs> Fuck you. But, uh, you know, I think I think more people are pissed about the necklace being thrown away. I'm just mad about Rose uh, committing adultery. Right. You know, wow. No one talks about that. Yep. You don't go to movies to not see Lion Dick, and you don't go to see... Uh, Acts of adultery. Yeah, I don't want to go and watch a nice boat movie and then be tempted by infidelity. Right, right. By the fruit of another. You know the. I mean, that was for me. I didn't care as much about Jack Down. I was like, great, whatever. Like, sure, that's <laughs> yeah. what happens in movies or whatever. Well, Listen, like, he, it didn't make sense. No, it made perfect sense. You know that guy would be a shitty husband. Right. It's like, oh, I'm such a lovable rogue drawing pictures of people. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. What are your what do you what job are you gonna do? Jack in, in definitely fucked at least three other women on the <laughs> on Titanic. <that> <laughs> yeah. During like, that dance sequence in steerage <laughs> yeah, with all the Irish dancing, there what you don't know is she blinked her eyes and he was sixty nining with the lady. You think right. yours is the only handprint on this uh car window? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> when you fog it up, it's a ton. You're yeah, like, it just oh pans God. over and all the other cars in steerage <laughs> just have so, handprints all over them. So much heat. Heat was coming off their genitals. Yeah. They just fogged the whole thing up. I mean, that guy was, he was getting it in. There's <laughs> there's no way he wasn't. I also feel have a feeling like if they got off, like, A, she still would have been with Cal, right? Billy Zane? Yeah. Like, technically? Because didn't she say, like, she was still with him until he, like, well, like she he took so his she, own life so or she something? she tried to shoot her, shoot her? Yeah. But she, uh, at the end, she just... Pretends that she died and starts a completely new uh, personality. Oh, that's right. right. And then she just heard tell of Cal. Cal's uh, like fate Death. where he like yeah. shot himself after the market crashed in 29 or something. Yes, I believe that's correct. I mean, I would have liked if she gave Cal some weird like steerage STD from, you know, hooking uh, up right. Jack. Like next thing you know, he's got like, you know, lice and, and all the crabs and stuff that yeah. you get from hanging out down there with all those people. All the Playing pores. the fiddle, yeah. Yeah. I feel like, but then if they, Jack and Rose are together living a secret life, are they mad stressed? Because he's like, yo, dude, like, it's, I'm kind of paranoid because you're faked your own death. You got that wild ass necklace that's worth a lot of money. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm wanted, like, in France when right. I was drawing all those French girls, which is a euphemism. Yeah. And also, like, uh, can I tell you more stories about yeah. me and Fabrizio? Because he was a chill dude. There's no way that uh, that 
necklace would have gone unsold, unpawned if uh, if Jack had made it. He would have pawned that shit quick. Oh, right. He gets like a bad like like heroin addiction. Oh, he would right. have had gambling debts for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. See, that's what that's the, the universe you need to explore. What happens if they get off the boat? She still has a necklace. Is Jack Dawson a good dude? Right. It's also kind of fucked up for her husband because, like, she has grandkids and stuff, and then she dies and goes to heaven and the at the end of the movie, and Jack is there. <laughs> she so. goes to heaven in the movie? Yeah, okay. she does. I mean, she <laughs> dies and, like, arrives, and it's the uh, ballroom full of Titanic passengers. Oh, shit. That does happen? At yeah, the... that does happen at the end Whoa, of the movie. Oh, wow. I yeah. forgot I'm about not that. seen that shit yeah. in a minute. So, but that means that, like, her husband, kids, grandkids are all like, yo, where is she? What's she's supposed to be here. This? And she's just, like, off partying. Oh, I'm on the Jack. Titanic, homie. Y'all don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As I was if getting Jack it in. hadn't been getting it in in heaven that whole right. time. Oh, man. Oh, she walks in on him in steerage. Right. With all the other ones. <laughs> he's in heaven and he's still in steerage. He's right. like, I should have sold that necklace and started a nonprofit. Uh, and in steerage, when she walks in on him in steerage, she's just sitting back in the car with noise canceling headphones on, uh, vaping. Uh, which <laughs> oh, is like how him, Leonardo yeah. DiCaprio yeah. actually has sex alle- allegedly. That should be how Jack fucks then. Yes. In like in the heaven sequence, he's got AirPods in, vaping hardcore, <laughs> and it's like, just do your thing, girl. Not AirPods, bro. Noise oh, canceling right. headphones, uh, so that he can't, he can just totally uh, zone out. That's right. Listening to MGMT's electric feel. Yes, it, uh, my my friend was uh, driving people to, or no, he went to Coachella, and he was like watching a concert, and he looked over and he, and he sees this like he was sort of like this very attractive woman sort of caught his eye, and then he looked over and he's like, why is she making out with that really gross like fat. Uh, just disheveled looking dude and he's looking and he realizes it's Leonardo DiCaprio (laughs) and like at a certain point apparently like Leonardo DiCaprio like left and the girl was like still like dancing like waiting for him to come back and he's like yeah I was that I was there for like two hours and she was still in the same spot just like waiting for Leo to come back and she probably would have dancing by herself there all day Uh, he went little did she know he went to steerage (laughs) (laughs) which in Coachella is the do lab yeah uh, I don't even know what that is. It's a Coachella joke for the homies. <laughs> um, I pretended like I got it, but I didn't. Yeah. The the real plot hole, like you said, uh, our writer Jan was pointing out that she really did not have to throw that. Like, what, how much did they say it was worth? The diamond? It was like the, wasn't it like the rarest diamond on earth, basically, yeah. to that point. Hundreds of millions of dollars. And she like threw it out for romantic reasons, mm-hmm. like as opposed to just like, selling it and feeding a village for the rest of time. Her kids are like, I had to take out student loans. What right. the hell? Yeah. There is, if you actually search, how much was the heart of the ocean worth? Yeah. <laughs> it says the very famous jeweler, Harry Winston, uh, known for having owned the Hope Diamond uh, and many other diamonds, made his own take on the heart of the ocean diamond using a real blue diamond, 15 carat. This piece is worth 10 times as much as the previous example valued at 20 million. So, shit. 200 million. I guess mm. twenty times as much as the previous, which was ten million. As the previous example, yeah. What is that? Is that meaning the know, real man. hard? Look, shit was worth a lot. Rose, you could have done something with it. It's gonna yeah. be hard to find a fence. It's like, yeah, we need someone who has two hundred million dollars to blow <laughs> right. on a That's rock. A good point. Very good point. <laughs> huh? Well, I don't know if I have a buyer for that. <laughs> Let me look. All right, we're gonna take 
Another quick break. We'll be right back. And we're back. All right, let's talk about Sylvester Stallone. Uh, Finally. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> hey, you know. Don't I got rights. Hey, don't I got rights. Hey, hey, you know. I got freaking rights, you know. Miles' five-word impression. Only can say, don't I got rights. I don't think I can do anything but else. he can say the hell out of that phrase. Yeah. Uh, but he's, uh, yeah. He wants to reboot Rocky. Again. Somehow. Did like, he, he did that. Right, like Creed was a great movie, and you know Creed Two I haven't seen, but Creed Two Electric Boogaloo, yeah, it was pretty good. But he's like seventy three years the old. The last thing we saw, wow, he was, really? Yeah, he's seventy three. There's no way that I mean the the point of a Rocky movie is that Rocky fights at the end of the Rocky movie. Yeah, but now he's fighting against osteoporosis, right? <laughs> and so that'll Just be really tight. A lot of calcium. Yeah, I mean, so in this one. Uh, they said so. He did an interview with uh, interview recently where he talked about a lot of things. Mm. Uh, but when they talked about a sequel, Stallone says, "There's a good chance that Rocky may write again." <laughs> he then goes on to divulge the plot of the sequel, which involves now get this shit: Rocky quote befriending a young street fighter living in the U.S. illegally. What? what? You know, Rocky meets a young angry person who got stuck <laughs> in this country when he person. when he comes to see his sister. He takes him into his life, and an unbelievable adventure begins. And they wind up south of the border. It's very, very timely. What oh, the God. fuck Whoa. is this? I mean, white fight savior? <laughs> <laughs> Fucking, what the f- <laughs> 73-year-old Rocky is, like, running around on, like, border-crossing adventures. Immigration I advocate. He's 73. Yeah. Yeah. I know. He oh looks amazing, God. right? Does he? I don't he, even know. Well, look, I mean, if you pump yourself up with enough HGH or whatever yeah. the fuck else. I'm, I'm looking him up right now. It's the fountain of youth. like a melting novelty candle. The, I mean, yeah, <laughs> I'm sure, I mean, I can only guess. He's like, yeah, you know, he's going to be Mexican, you know? I mean, he has, so he had the perfect oh, wow. mind for the 80s because, like, so the idea of Rocky going to Russia to win the Cold War was just the right amount of cheesiness for the 80s but right. now like it's like too on the nose it's aggressive we're over yeah. it yeah. yeah it's just it doesn't it doesn't work for the modern world yeah you know he's gonna go to mexico and fight the me too mafia you know? <laughs> right. yeah exactly. knock him out. like what the f- that me right. what you know all the fentanyl will bring it in Right. I mean, the, the Me Too stuff, you know, so you're going to fight him. Like, okay. The other thing is, though, he wants to do a TV prequel series. This guy's trying to bite the whole fucking apple. Right. Wow. And But this is where he was like, I but I can't do that because, A, he doesn't even own the intellectual property rights to, to anything having to do with Rocky. What? He was fucking hoodwinked out of his IP rights to, to Rocky. He fucking, wrote, he created Rocky, right? Oh right. The fucking writer of it. That's a pretty common thing, actually. Yeah. Well, but, yeah, he wrote it when he was a nobody in Hollywood and, like, right. sold it to the uh, studio. Like, the studio didn't even want him to be the person in it, and he, like, had to basically put his foot down and be like, look, you can have the intellectual property. Just let me... Just look, let me fight, you know? Let me look tough. Mm. But I think, yeah, I think the the producer who does have the rights, Erwin Winkler, like, has a good relationship with Sylvester Stallone. So he's the one who's always been mm. like, okay, like, yeah, let's do another one. Eh, maybe not this prequel thing. 
But also, you know, I'm like a got old guy meeting a young angry kid fighter is also Creed. Right. Yeah, so, it's like gotta get a little. Yeah, more but creative. hey, but you know Mexican this time. Yes. It's you know, different. I hear they come out and see the movies. Uh, the <laughs> Rocky is uh, also based on like so. Stallone went and saw this fight where a guy named Chuck Webner basically like made it to the last round with Muhammad Ali, and so Rocky is essentially a true story. And Sylvester Stallone just like never gave this guy credit. And like mm. at first he was like, yeah, it's based on Chuck Webner. And then people were like, shh, shh, that's not. And he was like, it's not based on anyone. It's Rocky. Uh, so yeah, kind of fucked up. Uh, Chuck Webner like signs uh, boxing gloves in like a, you know, one bedroom house for a living these days. Oh man, really? Yeah. And yeah. it, uh, one bedroom house sounds pretty nice. <laughs> there you go, one bedroom. That. Yeah, it's actually beautiful. It's like a Santa Monica bungalow. It's really. <laughs> it's like on one of those streets right off Ocean. That's like kind of those preserved areas. Uh. Right. All right, that's going to do it for this week's weekly Zeitgeist. Please like and review the show if you like the show. Uh, means the world to Miles. He, he needs your validation, folks. Uh, I hope you're having a great weekend, and I will talk to you Monday. Bye.